Earlier this week, we learned that beloved TV personality and the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek, passed away. I was buying a piece of salmon at the grocery store when I found out, and right away I experienced a bizarre sense of loss. Maybe it was the salmon, but I say it was bizarre because, while I've been a fan of Jeopardy and Mr. Trebek's for as long as I can remember, it's not like I knew the man personally. This really had nothing to do with me. Oh yes, I met him once briefly, and he was kind enough to pose for a picture, but that's hardly enough to claim that his passing should directly affect me. And yet it did. I even had some friends and family message me to offer condolences, as if he was someone I knew or cared about, or who cared about me. My friend Lionel laid a bouquet of flowers down outside of Alex Trebek Alumni Hall at the University of Ottawa with a card from me, and he wasn't alone. Many people had laid flowers, as fans often collectively mourn when a famous person passes away. Now, why is that? Why do we feel a connection with people we don't know and are likely to never even meet? Well, I think it may be because artists create and engage with art itself, which in turn, we engage with. Whether through a visual medium, acting, dance, or music, etc., artists express themselves. They project their feelings outwardly for the world to see. We, the viewers, interact with this. We absorb those feelings, interpret those feelings, and often connect with those feelings. And when we connect with the art, we can't help but connect with the artist, as if we knew them personally, as if they somehow were directly letting us know that we're not alone. In the case of Mr. Trebek, it might be a stretch to say that game show hosts are communicating their thoughts and feelings through their work, but they establish a connection anyway. At the start and finish of every episode of Jeopardy, Alex would look directly into the camera, smile at us, welcome us, and invite us back tomorrow. It was reliable and therefore comforting. My grandmother loved to tell the story of how I used to watch Jeopardy as a small child on the living room floor and how I drew pictures of Alex Trebek with a microphone. Well, she loved to tell that story before she passed away in 2017. And there it is, I suppose. The answer to why I felt such a sense of personal loss when I learned that Alex Trebek had passed away is because Jeopardy had always been there. Whether watching with my friends over Chinese food or when I was forming some of my earliest memories, Alex was always there. He was a constant we could count on. We can't control what happens in our day-to-day -day lives. Good things happen, bad things happen. People come and people go. But we know that sure as the sun will rise, our favorite program will be back again tomorrow. Until times like this, when life reminds us even it may not be. So I think when trying to answer the question of why we feel connected with strangers we'll only ever see on screens or hear through headphones, we can discover something even more important about ourselves. How much we long to feel connected with other people and trust that they'll never go away. So think of someone who might be feeling lonely and do them a favor. Reach out, ask them how they are, show them you're there, and that they can find someone who cares about them beyond their TV screens. If you think it'll help, well, you're absolutely correct. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Adam's Top 10. Today I have with me my first guest. You know him as Ryan Haynes. I refer to him as Jim Carrey's number one fan. Ryan, say hello to everyone. Alrighty then. Thanks for having me on, Galloway. I'm honored to be here for the Jim Carrey episode. Uh, I don't know if I'm the number one fan, but yes, uh, growing up, Jim Carrey was my idol. So, you know, I, I see why you, you, you include me in on this. Well, it's funny because I always consider myself a pretty big Jim Carrey fan. And then once I met you, I'm like, yeah, I'm at least, at least number two. The way you talk about him and I just think, I, I kind of have that with a, with a few actors and movies and stuff. And I just know when we've talked about him, there's just something you just, you know, like when you talk about uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a few others. You know, it, it's always fun to talk about Jim Carrey with you and I couldn't have thought of anyone better to do this with me. So I'm happy to, uh, to have you included. Awesome. I, I know, like, sometimes I even, like, copy some of his mannerisms because, like, I just, that was, like, the person I was watching while growing up, so. <laughs> it worked out perfectly for us as we grew up in the 90s. That's right yeah. when Jim Carrey hit it big. 
So we're going to jump in here to our top tens. Uh, our, the, now, these are our uh, personal favorite Jim Carrey movies, so the lists are subjective, but I do believe there's going to be some overlap, and we're actually both going to guess yes. how many uh, movies are, are going to overlap. What's your guess, Ryan? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with probably nine or eight. Uh, there's like two on my list that I'm not sure if you picked them, so... Uh... We'll see if there's any overlap with those two. Okay, I was around there too as well. My official guess is nine. I'm thinking uh, just from, I know we've at least talked about five or six Jim Carrey movies that are probably going to be on here. So I'm going to go with nine. So we'll see. Yeah. It's our we'll rankings. That's where it's going to differ, I think. Yeah. Yes, um, that's going to be the, the, the fun part of this will be, you know, the, the contrast to where a specific movies placed on the list for sure. Great. Uh, so I'm just going to list off my top 10. And then when we go through yours, I think we'll stop and uh, we'll talk about them. So uh, at number 10, I'm going to go with Batman Forever. I'm just going to say one little thing about this. Just because I was growing up, I was a huge Batman fan and simultaneously a huge Jim Carrey fan. So him as a villain, it really worked. And like, I'd like the Jim Carrey action figure and everything. So, you know, like that, that's really cool to me. So there's a little bit of nostalgia there. Uh, number nine, uh, we have Me, Myself, and Irene. Number eight, Man on the Moon. Number seven, Liar, Liar. Number six, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. So the sequel, and I'm omitting the first one just because I felt like only one could make it on the list. Um, number five, The Cable Guy. Number four, The Mask. Number three, Dumb and Dumber. And number two, The Truman Show. And it's no surprise that my number one slot is Eternal Sunshine because I've mentioned it on the podcast before. So if you're a long-term listener, you already knew that. So there you go. Actually, in, in Doug Ford's uh, speech today, he was talking about how much you love Eternal Sunshine on the Spotless Mind. So yeah, he, he knows. It's, 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 yes, everyone knows. It's, it's, it's out there in the ether. <laughs> That's a great list. So based on that, number eight is the magic number. We have eight movies that have overlapped. Okay. Um, they're all in, they're, I'm pretty sure they're all in different spots, but uh, the magic number is eight. So I will jump in now and we'll do a little bit of discussion and comparison and right off the hop, we have a, um, a different movie. And I'll mention right now, I agree with you with Batman Forever. Um, there is some nostalgia for me. I, I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but Jim Carrey is, if not the best, one of the best uh, actors in that movie for sure. I don't mind Val Kilmer's Batman. I, I don't hate it by any means. But yeah. Jim Carrey is definitely the reason to watch Batman Forever. I'm pretty sure a lot of people would agree with that. But it did not make my list. Before you go on there, just, uh, I want to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, yep. Just because, yeah. That's fine. I, as a kid, I didn't realize how kooky the Joel Schumacher yeah. Batmans were. Uh, like, watching them now, like, they're they're really, they're not great. Uh, but just as a kid, they were just fun. So I, I was just, like, drawn into them as a kid, for sure. And, of course, all the action figures and everything just made it that much better. After Joel Schumacher passed away, I, I actually read a few... Um, articles and I watched a couple old interviews and one thing that I found fascinating with Jim Carrey was he got a cane expert or whatever they're called and oh. he did all this he, he wanted to be as genuine as possible for his little little when he's doing his thing with the cane he's always yeah. kicking it and spinning it and he did all the, his own stunts in the movie and Joel Schumacher was blown away because Jim Carrey was huge in 1995 and like yeah. one of the biggest actors on the face of the earth and he was just uh, blown away with his dedication to the role, and it, it shows. Like, I don't love everything that all the you know choices they made with the character of uh, of the Riddler, but for the most part, like he, he's a he steals the show whenever he's on the screen for sure. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't CGI the cane. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> uh, yes, but I totally agree with you. They're totally wacky movies, but Jim Carrey is fantastic. But didn't quite make my list. I'm going to go with another wacky performance by Jim Carrey. My number 10 is The Mask. Okay, so that was number four on mine. Yes. Now, it does have a lot of nostalgia for me as well. I rewatched it, I think, last year. I don't really remember. It does hold up. A lot of the practical effects and stuff in it are good. Um, it's just not my favorite. I don't I don't really have any knocks uh, against right. it. It's fun. Um, it's it's unique for sure. It, it showcases Jim Carrey's physical comedy very much in it his facial expression stuff the the makeup they did with the the mask was fantastic i think it still looks great like yeah. it's cheesy his big white teeth are obviously like it's, it's really 
ridiculous, but it's great. It works for the character. And I remember watching as a kid. I loved it. Well, the thing about Jim Carrey and his face, uh, he, he did a movie. It was one of his earlier films. It's called Rubber Face. And the thing he did with all of his uh, stand-up comedy was just he had such a rubber face where he could become anything with just his expressions alone. And so I feel like the mask is just like the perfect encapsulation of like what he used to do in his stand-up and just like becoming anything he wants to be just with his face alone. Um, I've never seen Rubber Face, by the way. It's it's too yeah. early on. I have no idea if it's good or not. No idea what it's about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this it has so many like great things like Cuban Pete. Uh, that's like one of my favorite little Fantastic moments. Like sequence. just it's Fantastic. hilarious. Just a little dance yes. number. Uh, it's really dark. Uh, for what it is the villain in it is very dark yeah and there's the scene uh when he when he gets the mask he like it's i remember being scared as a kid i was terrified as a kid but i kept coming back to it for some reason and it's, it's jim carrey that's the reason yeah <laughs> and cameron diaz can we talk about her for just a moment we can very briefly because i i had this discussion with my my wife who i love very much okay but we were talking about cameron diaz i don't know why uh, but uh, I always say that that is the best Cameron Diaz has ever looked. Yes. In my opinion, that is. Of I, course. Think I think everyone would have to agree with you. That that opening scene in the bank in the red yes. dress, <laughs> I think everyone would have to agree with you. Yes, I, I, I'm i pretty sure, I'll ask Jamie uh, after we're done here, I'm pretty sure she believes uh, me too. I, every time we talk about stuff like that, she'll always pull up photos and stuff, and I believe she pulled up either a clip or a shot from that, and I think she's kind of like, yeah, she looks pretty good. <laughs> so... Yes, I, I couldn't agree more, and she um, she's good in it. I mean, I don't think she's a remarkable actress by any means, but she's fine in it. She, um, It's one of her first film roles, too, and she did a pretty good job, so nothing to say there. But yeah, The Mask, definitely a lot of nostalgia, but I, I do really like the movie. That's my number 10. Sorry, I, I just got to give a shout-out to the dog, too. I just, the dog. <laughs> Milo. He's, just, he's, he's so cute. He gets to wear the mask, too. It's, everyone yeah. gets to wear the mask. It's Everybody. great. Uh, okay, number nine is another uh, uh, similar movie we have. It's kind of close on the list. It's The Cable Guy. Okay. And I got a couple things I want to say about The Cable Guy because I had just recently rewatched it. I believe it's on Prime or Netflix. I don't know. I, I came across it one day, and I decided to throw it on. I remember watching as a kid. I, I liked it, but I always, y you can definitely feel the tonal shift for a Jim Carrey movie. Like, it is pretty dark. It's wacky. It's kooky. But it's also very much ahead of its time, and it actually predicts a lot of stuff that is relevant uh, today with technology. And his character in it is interesting. I was actually, I forget who I was talking about this with, but... Um, it's very similar to Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight, where the Joker goes around telling people different stories about how he got his scars. And uh, Ernie, or is one of his names, uh, I Chip. think, Chip as well. Like he, he has all these different names, and he tells people um, different. I, I don't know how many times he does in the movie, but there's a little bit of a similarity with the Joker and Jim Carrey and the Cable Guy. And I always thought that was weird. And when I was rewatching, I'm like, holy crap! Like there, like Ben Stiller, who directed this, did a fantastic job. Like he, he's yeah. a Tropic Thunder, Zoolander, like he's a good director. And him and Matthew Broderick, uh, Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick in this are great. Um, and it's there's a lot of good moments in it. The, the karaoke scene, the basketball yeah. scene. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, earlier before we started the um, when they're at the... The, the jousting at the... Uh, yeah, the times. jousting. Yes, <laughs> when they parody the, the Star Trek scene. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like it's, it's a good movie. And uh, we're going to say this a lot with all, a lot of these movies. You haven't seen them, but definitely check out The Cable Guy if you haven't. Like it's It stands up pretty well. Definitely ahead of its time. Yes. Very sure. dark. Yeah. Uh, I love Ben Stiller's uh, little side plot that's going on. Like uh, the brothers that are like trying to yeah. kill each other. And that's what everyone's like in tune with the, on the TV. OJ Simpson was very relevant yes. at that time. And there's a lot of, I mean, and just... There's a good message in the movie, too. I remember when it finished, I'm like... And then you have the the shot when the guy goes to grab the book after the, the TV uh, shuts down. It's just like... Like, that is... That's our society now. Like, yeah. who picks up a book? <laughs> it's speaking a lot about um, society. And, I, and this is in 1996. Like, it, yeah. it's amazing at how relevant the movie is. Um, and, uh, okay, so there's one scene in this one that also scared me as a kid. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. know what it is. It's the one where uh, Jim Carrey busts through Matthew he Broderick. He chases him down the hall, yep. Man, those eyes and everything, green and glowing, freaked yeah, me as a kid. Terrifying. That gave me nightmares yeah. as well. 
his his lisp in it too like again it's just something mm-hmm. subtle but it, it just shows how good of an actor he is like it's so convincing like he does a it's a lot of people probably don't think about it but it's like it's it's just enough to make the character a little bit more unique because you got to think about what he's coming off of like batman forever ace ventura dumb and dumber the mat like and he's still able to make a unique character out of it like and it's i think it's just a testament to how good of an actor he is even in this zany comedy he still makes it his own and like i don't know about any other movies about cable guys but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's when you when you hear the cable guy like Jim Carrey made that his own and it's and he's awesome in it. It's great. I'm shocked now why it's my number nine now that yeah, after right? talking about it for five minutes. <laughs> Future generations are gonna be like, what's cable? Yeah. <laughs> why is there a cable guy? They're gonna do a remake with him and it, they should do like a little short and he's like the Netflix guy or the something Netflix or the guy. streaming guy. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, so moving on to number eight um, is Me Myself and Irene. A very underrated Jim Carrey movie. I'm sure you agree with me uh, with that yes. statement. Uh, and that was my number nine, so pretty close on the list right there. Very, very close. One quick story that I remember, uh, I was thinking about it when I, when I wrote this down. I remember going, I believe I was in the States because me, my mom, and my grandma, and my sister used to go to the States every year uh, just to shop a little bit and get a hotel. And I remember buying me, myself, and Irene on VHS and it was the, I remember the front cover too. It had his split, you know, Hank and Charlie. Yeah. Uh, and I, I remember it vividly and I couldn't buy it because it was rated R. And I was shocked because when I was that young, I didn't really clue in what rated R was, PG. And my grandma's like, no, I'm going to have to buy that for you. <laughs> I'm like, what? And so my grandma bought it for me. I watched it and it was my introduction to bad language and crude humor. And the movie is full of it and it can easily... Uh, probably offend some people, but I mean, I enjoy it. There's a lot of good laughs in it. It's different. It's unique. And it's kind of like Jim Carrey Unchained. Like it's just, you know, you've seen him in a PG movie. Now let's see what he's like in a rated R movie swearing and doing God knows what. (laughs) Yes. And for all of those reasons, that's why my mom hates that movie and hates that I like it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he gets to be two different versions in the same movie. Uh, He gets to be the nice guy, Charlie, and like the little sociopath, uh, uh, Hank. Uh, And just like him, like fighting himself and beating himself up in the third act is just like, it's perfect Jim Carrey. So uh, I like that pick. There's a, I'm just going to do a quick scene that I love from me, myself and Irene that gets me every time there, him and Renee Zellweger about to push the car um there's actually two moments in the scene that are great but he they're about to push the car over uh over the cliff to yep. get rid of it and he just bends over his side and he's like okay on nine one two three four five six seven eight nine <laughs> and then they push it off and renee zellweger's just looking at like why are we counting to nine and then the payoff for that scene is brilliant then when they're walking away and he just stops and turns around he's like did you happen to grab a wallet off the dashboard <laughs> Like it's just, and it's probably all improvised too. Like they're like he's the master of improv for sure, and you can kind of see it on Renee Zellweger's face sometimes for sure. Like it, the movie's just full of random things, and I I don't want to get into all the dark stuff in it because it gets pretty dark. But um, if you haven't seen my, me myself and Irene, check it out. A lot of good moments for sure. Yeah, another real random thing about it is Foo Fighters did a song for that movie called Breakout, uh, and yes, I didn't know the music that. video has. Uh, uh, the clips from the movie and everything so there you go another random little thing <laughs> that was a little plug there for the Foo fighters from ryan haynes see everything i love is just aligned with jim carrey in some way <laughs> i love masks i love cable <laughs> yep i love split personality disorder <laughs> uh number seven and this will be one of our big discrepancies here but i do want to first say that i do love this movie uh, but my number seven is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. What? The reason it's so low on this list is not because of its quality, because it's full of quality. It's just the movies above it. I j- either have more nostal- nostalgia for me or I-, I just like them a little bit more for whatever reason. But Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, great movie. Not usually my cup of tea, but I remember going into it, you know, you know, optimistic, obviously. I wanted to give it a shot. I'm a big fan of Jim Carrey, and I loved it. I, I think it's got great subject matter it's a great story it's just wacky enough to be unique and different it's not your typical romantic comedy you know notebook and all that kind of stuff it feels so real and it tells a story that you don't normally hear very similar reaction to that um that i had with blue valentine another movie i absolutely love where this is the story you don't usually hear 
in Hollywood yeah. with a cool, wacky style to it with this weird technology and all this cool stuff that I couldn't appreciate the movie anymore is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. I so what actually you're saying is it should be higher on your list, but... Yes, well, yeah. this is the second movie now on this list that I'm just going to move it up. See, this is the problem. I'm, I'm a few episodes into this top 10, and as I talk about these movies, I want to move them in the list because I start talking about them. But I love every movie on my list. So I'm yeah. some of these are marginal, but Eternal Sunshine on the Spotless Mind... Probably Jim Carrey's best performance. I'm sure Ryan would agree yes. as well. And probably, arguably, the best movie he's ever been in. Like, quality-wise. Like, yeah. screenplay and, you know, well-directed. Like, all that. In regards to that, definitely at the top. But for me, it's just a little bit lower because I love everything else above it. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about it, Ryan? Uh, well, I don't want to say too much. Uh, if you really want to know my thoughts on it, listen to some of our older podcasts. I say things that are beautiful about this movie in there well one thing i quickly did want to touch on that you did touch on briefly in the other podcast that i really liked when you said it and i didn't even think about it is just the um the contrast of uh kate winslet and jim carrey in the movie because they're kind of playing the opposite role they usually play yes where kate winslet's the wacky crazy you know she's got the you know the different hair colors and great performance by both of them and jim carrey is kind of the straight guy in it where he's usually the wacky whoa kind of guy and yep. um, I loved it. I thought it was a great departure for both of them. I mean, both actor, uh, Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey are both very versatile. Yep. But this was like full on display for the two of them. Strong performances. Uh, there's a lot of other good people in the movie too, but yes. especially those two. I just was blown away. And when Ryan said that in our podcast, I'm like, I never really thought about that, but that totally makes sense. There's a lot of pain in Jim on that one. And I think it's the first time you've ever seen that. So yes. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. So, unfortunately, number seven, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but fantastic movie. But we're moving on to number six. Just beating it out by a hair, I would say. The Truman Show. Okay. Same kind of vein, one of his more dramatic roles. Yes, and I, I was thinking about this before we, we went uh, live, and The Truman Show is... It still has a little bit of the Jim Carrey essence. He is kind of a little bit zany. It's a little bit more restrained in this. But it kind of was the first showing of his dramatic side for in his career. I'm pretty sure I'd have to double check. But it was one of his earliest dramatic roles. He won a Golden Globe for it. And I thought it. I, I thought of a good comparison with, uh, with Robin Williams as well. Where you still have the essence of the, the, the comedian inside. You're never going to get rid of that in Jim Carrey. Like he's, he's a comedian. But... Yeah. You, you harness that in a little bit and then you let a little bit more drama kind of just seep out. I just that, I always compare Robin Williams and Jim Carrey. That's why in our, in our last podcast episode of season one, uh, they were basically the, the top dogs because they have this amazing ability to make us laugh, but also like make us think, make us feel, make us cry. And Jim Carrey is not so much in the Truman Show, more so in Eternal Sunshine, but he just has this unbelievable ability to just, he's magnetic on the screen. That's really yes. all I can say. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Truman Show. That's kind of what I had to say. I think you nailed it right there. He does have that like magnetic, like every man kind of equality. And I think that's what the Truman Show is about. Like it's just a, the world falling in love with this one guy who will make you laugh, who will make you cry, who will make you just feel anything. He's, he's really entertaining to watch. He just has that, that, the air about him probably how Jim Carrey kind of felt at the time as you know the guy who can't leave his house without everyone recognizing his face yeah you know that's that's just that's the Truman Show in a nutshell right there it's Jim Carrey in a nutshell so yes yes uh, it's a perfect film for him at the time I'm sure they'll do a reboot uh kind of like a bat Black Mirror style in today's world where everyone's their own star of their own tv show yeah it's it's definitely a very relevant movie now especially yeah for sure. I mean, especially now you have uh, Jamie shows me all these TikTok videos and stuff of people sh showing them like, like, like it's incredible that how, you know, 1998 and here we are 22 years later and it's like right in front of us, you know, YouTube and all these platforms. Kids in the next generation, they're going to be growing up with like this whole quarantine thing. They probably won't know if there's anything outside their own little bubble outside yeah. of their neighborhood. Yeah, the best parts of the movie that I love, like the third act's fantastic, but yeah. when he starts picking up on it, 
Yeah. I like the scene in the car is great when the with the 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 guy on the bike riding around. He's like like he's just so good <laughs> in it. We we could talk about the Truman Show for for an hour. So we're gonna keep moving here. But Truman Show, check it out if you have not seen it. I believe it's on Netflix. Moving on to number. Oh, so I'm gonna do my number five and number four together because you know they're they're packaged together. I have number five Ace Ventura when nature calls and number four Ace Ventura pet detective. They're very close. It's very marginal. I give the slight edge to uh, Pet Detective, the first one. A, because it's classic, you know, the, the first one. And I'm a big fan of football. Okay. <laughs> and Dan Marino's in it. A great, uh, I don't know if you can count it a ca- as a cameo, but he plays himself. But great, great uh, job by Dan Marino. The, the third act's hilarious when he's, when he's tied up and, and when Jim Carrey <laughs> and him finally meet. Like, it's so good. If you have, I mean, he's got lots of movies, but when you hear the word Jim Carrey, I think Ace Ventura is not far behind it. He, like, it was his first movie, it made him a star, and he just embodies the character so well. And both movies are great. You can make an argument for which one's better. I don't know. I mean, it depends on the day. They're both funny. Uh, That's why I have them side by side, and I just give the slight edge to the first one. I just love Ace Ventura. Grew up with it, dressed up like him. I went out for him as Halloween at least once, and it's just—it's just such a stupid concept that was just executed so well by an aspiring young actor that blew up right after, and the yeah. rest is history. Well, we have uh, that in common then, because I also I dressed up as an Ace Ventura one day. Yeah. Went to the mall as Ace Ventura. Spoke with my ass only. <laughs> I didn't have quite the hair. I, I didn't work, but uh, the outfit was always fun to get. Getting a Hawaiian shirt was always fun. So number three is Liar Liar. Okay. And I mean, <laughs> I don't really know what else to say that we haven't been saying already. Liar Liar is was the perfect film for Jim Carrey. He has he is just completely unleashed. I don't even think that he probably followed a script. If if this was all scripted, it's one of the greatest scripts ever written because right. he is absolutely brilliant in it. Jim Carrey as a lawyer, that's just how they had to sell the movie. <laughs> and then add on to it, a lawyer that can't lie. And then you're sold. That's all I need to know. You tell me that, I'm going to go see that movie. Yeah. And then you add in a nice little dramatic storyline with his son and it's like, okay, like this is that's what comedies need. You can't just have a full-on zany wacky thing going on give me a little bit of heart and you're just gonna make it that much more funny and there's a great father son uh they're going i don't are they are they officially divorced i think they are anyways they're going through a divorce and he wants yeah, to the be guy with from kid. saw he's like the, the yes the, the father the, the yeah the annoying father-in-law yeah so jared going, or whatever yeah <laughs> They're going through a divorce and he wants to spend more time with his kid, but he's so busy and he neglects his kid. Like just good stuff that, I mean, like it's, and you, you again, root for it. Like you need, you need to root for these characters. And, and I, I just think Jim Carrey does that so well, where like Ryan said before, down to earth, the everyman, and he's hilarious. And some of the scene, the scene when he goes in and tells all the people in the boardroom, like the truth. Yeah. Uh, and he just mocks all of them is incredible, and I and they love it, and they love they it, love the truth, they love it, and there's like a little bit Everyone's of everyone's howling. There's a little bit of a message in that movie too, because he yeah. ends up winning the case, but he has to tell the truth. Yeah, like like lawyers are completely known for being shady and ooh, like kind of like salesman type thing, like ooh, they're gonna do whatever they can to win the case and loopholes and stuff. Jim Carrey has to learn how to win this case truthfully, yeah. and it's. You know, it, it's good. So I just think it's, you know, I can keep raving about this movie for an hour, but it's, Liar Liar is just fantastic. I should have known that this was going to be in your top three because of the whole father-son dynamic. I know you're, of course. you're, you're a sucker for yes. a good uh, I am. family. Family, legacy, those are my themes. Uh, but yeah, like, I feel like this was like the first kind of me, myself, and Irene where he had such a an open slate to just be the best kind yes. of uh, slapstick comedian that he is. Just like yeah. throwing himself around, the the whole scene with the pen drawing on himself, like the pen is royal blue, <laughs> like it's hilarious. He he is the most Jim Carrey you could be in like a a nice PG film. One one of my favorite lines is in the bathroom uh, scene when uh, the guy walks in, he's just like, "I'm kicking my ass. Do you mind?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just got so many good lines. It's 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 such a good movie. I uh, absolutely love Liar Liar, but. We've reached the top two. 
My number two is a movie that has not been talked about, and my number one is a movie that has been talked about. Briefly. Um, and I know what one of them is going to be. Um, yes, I know you it, do know. It's one that I omitted, but I knew you were going to include it. <laughs> so my number two is The Majestic. Yes. From 2001. Uh, Frank Darabont directed it. It was his follow-up to The Green Mile. Absolutely fantastic director. And this movie completely went under the radar. No one ever talks about it. I don't think it did very well at the box office or critically. I'm not sure why. But um, Jim Carrey top of his game a strong strong dramatic performance a great story and i don't really want to get in depth with it because i'm sure a lot of people listening haven't seen it it's Mm -hmm. basically telling the story of a screenwriter that essentially gets uh blacklisted and he loses in a car accident he loses uh his memory and he washes up on the shores of uh of this beach and he meets these people and he gets brought into this small town a small community and I'm just going to leave it at that. And that's the story about a man who lost his memory and he ends up in a strange town. Yeah. And it's just, it's a period piece and it's just so good. And his performance is so strong in it. It's, there's a lot of good stuff in the movie. There's some good film. Um, well, if you're, if you're a fan of like the cinema uh, or like a, a cinephile, yes. you're going to love it. That's a perfect way to say it. There's a lot of good stuff in it. A lot of good. It's a, it's just a character piece. Yeah. It's about, our main character, Jim Carrey, our protagonist, and all the supporting characters that he meets along this journey. And it's just such an underrated movie. I remember my dad had it on VHS, and I remember just popping it in. Because at that point, I was confused because to me, I'm like, Jim Carrey, comedy. I'm like, Dad, what is this? And this was like when I was, was, you know, getting smarter as as someone who loves film. And I just grasping the idea of this comedian doing this dramatic role and yeah. it just resonated with me and it always has i pushed this movie on everyone to to check it out and then when i met ryan and found out that he is one of the only people on the face of the earth to see it <laughs> i was very i was very excited and uh, i'm it's on my list for um a potential movie night with uh, the viewers cut so i would love to because it's been ages since i've seen it and the film just has so it has a lot of heart and i know it's pretty long uh it, it is it's, long it could be trimmed a little bit i'll yeah. give it that it's not perfect by any means it could be trimmed but at least it's filled with quality stuff in my opinion of course but yeah. um yes to anyone listening go check out the majestic any jim wow. carrey fans go watch that movie that's all i can say i did not want to get into anything specific i just wanted yeah. to give you a quick plot go check out the majestic do it do it now but We've reached number one, my favorite Jim Carrey movie, the most quotable movie uh, that I can think of, the movie that basically solidified Jim Carrey as a star. It started with Ace Ventura, he followed it up with a hit with The Mask, but it was this third movie in the same year, 1994, he released three movies this year, the third one is Dumb and Dumber. Yes. It's the dumbest movie ever made. It, it, it doesn't make any sense, but it works. Okay, I, I think it's the smartest dumb movie ever. Okay, let's do that. The smartest dumb... The smart, do you, But is it the smartest dumbest or the smartest dumb movie ever made? <laughs> Whatever. And it's all because of the performances by, of course, Jim Carrey, but his partner in crime, yes. Jeff Daniels, who... And I just quickly want to mention this because I think it's a, a fantastic. They... Everyone was thinking about getting another comedian to be in the in the role with Jim Carrey. And Jeff Daniels early on heard all these rumblings and he, you know, thought he was going to be fired. And Jim Carrey was the one that said, no, 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 we don't need another comedian. And it works so well because Jeff Daniels was known for a lot of dramatic work. And like even now he does a lot of drama, but he is hilarious in the movie because their chemistry is remarkable in the movie. I, I can't really say anything else like it's. Pretty simple story. They go to Aspen. Trying to hunt down a girl to give back a briefcase that she left behind. That's the story right there. Sam Samsonite. <laughs> I knew it started with an S. But it's it's just so... St- it's very like Big Lebowski where it's just the stupidest little plot with all yeah. these interesting characters doing dumb things and it just works so well. It's I can quote that movie you know, beginning to end. There are so many good moments from beginning to end. And... I think it's Jim Carrey at his ultimate best. It's my personal favorite film. Like I said, I love all these movies. But Dumb and Dumber to me is just the one. If it's on TV, I'm watching it. Yes. I'll drop what I'm doing. I'm watching it. It's just brilliant. It is it's definitely a, my favorite uh, buddy road trip movie. Like 
that that's yeah. a whole genre in itself but i think this one is definitely the best yes it's it's executed very well it's hilarious there isn't really that core story at its heart i mean you could I, I guess, but he, it turns it on its head because you have this epic dramatic scene with him and his love interest, and she gives him like a one in a million chance uh, of them getting so together. So there's still a chance. Yeah, and he, like it's it's the perfect punchline to the joke. Like it's just and it's it's just he plays it so straight. Like Lloyd Christmas and uh, Harry. I don't know his last name. Harry. Harry Dunn. Harry Dunn. Like they're just. They play it so straight. They don't. They're not trying to be funny, and it's just so, so brilliant. And don't go watch the sequel. I mean, do it. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Don't. But don't. It ruins everything that's good about it. And that's the problem. And that's how I'm going to end the Dumb and Dumber little talk here. Is what they did in Dumb and Dumber Two is the exact reason why the first one is great. Because in the sequel, they tried way too hard to be funny. Yep. They were playing for laughs. The first one, they they weren't they were just being themselves and putting themselves in these ridiculous circumstances, yep. and that that's what makes it brilliant. They ruined it with the second one. I couldn't agree with you more. They, they and that that was you know there were a couple laughs, sure, yeah, but it's just because they were trying too hard. They knew what they had. It wasn't special anymore. They beat it into the ground, and then it was just it was actually dumb. Whereas the first one is dumb, but it's smart. It is. <laughs> Do you want to hear the That's most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> there you go, everybody. One of my favorite moments, too, is when he's driving in the limo and he looks out the window into her in the airport and he's just driving off and it's so epic and he's just like, and he's just about to say goodbye, my love, and then he just gets in a huge car accident <laughs> and the airbag blows up his face and then she looks out at the window and he's just waving, hi! <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Oh, I want to watch that movie now. Anyways, we've kept uh, your uh, patience long enough. This was the Jim Carrey Top 10 with my guest, Ryan Haynes. Do you have anything hey, else hey, you'd hey. like to say before we cut out, Ryan? Absolutely not. I, I like to keep things short and sweet. Perfect, perfect. Well, I do appreciate you joining us. And uh, like I said, we have eight movies that overlapped, a couple extra ones. I do like Man on the Moon that Ryan mentioned didn't make my list and Batman Forever. And then I had The Majestic. So yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of on the same page, which is great. We both love Jim yes. Carrey. He's fantastic. And uh, I know it's not a movie, but I'm gonna la my last plug for this is anyone that hasn't seen Kidding, yeah. go check out Kidding. Fantastic performance by Jim Carrey. Uh, the second season was just released. And uh, just, again, Jim Carrey at his best. He's still got yes. it. Don't give up on Jim Carrey. He's he's back with uh, Michael Gondry, the director of Eternal Sunshine. Yes. They're just a great pairing. Yeah. They, they know how to make surreal, uh, heartfelt comedy. Match made in heaven for sure. Thank you very much, everyone, for checking out Adam's Top 10 with Ryan, Jim Carrey's best performances. I hope everyone has a great day. And take care. Take care, everyone. On October 31st, 2020, the world lost prolific actor, Hollywood legend, screen icon, and all-around hunk, Sean Connery. Here on The Viewer's Cut, Ryan and I thought it would be fitting to pay a small tribute to Sir Sean and reminisce about our memories of watching his movies, specifically his progenitive and definitive portrayal of the one and only James Bond. Ryan, uh, thanks for joining me here today. I, I I thought this might be a bigger deal. I haven't heard a whole lot about it. Uh, a little bit on social media. Um, how about you? Have have you have you heard a lot about this? On the morning of, I actually got like five different people telling me of his passing. Um, so it was more of a big deal in my immediate family because everybody knew I was such a a Bond fan. Um, but yeah, uh, fellow was pretty quiet after that. I think part of the reason is because he's been retired for nearly 20 years. Right. And the last movie he did was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 2003, and he refused to come out of retirement since then. So he's kind of been out of the public eye for 20 years, whereas I think had he died 20 or 30 years ago, oh yes, it would have been, it would have been a huge deal. You and I are both uh, James Bond fans, I, we're not going to do a full James Bond uh, episode right now because we're trying to save that for whenever uh, No Time to Die is going to come out, if it ever comes out. Yeah, maybe five years from now. Five years from now, we'll finally talk about it. Yeah, probably Craig will be passed by then. <laughs> probably the, the whole slew of uh, 
bonds that are going to be gone. gone. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a big in memoriam for him. (laughs) Um, But I thought we would quickly touch on what we do know of Sean Connery. I mean, I probably was first most familiar with him from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ah. which was, I think, during his sort of renaissance, the late 80s, early 90s. He sort of came back with that legendary status after The Untouchables. Right. Um, I think throughout the 70s, he was kind of like box office poison, or if not that, (laughs) then just wasn't really doing anything too big. But of course, in the uh, 60s, he was huge. Um, You you couldn't touch him and he was Bond. So my question is, have you seen any or all of the Sean Connery Bond films? Okay. Um, Yes, I have seen all of the Sean Connery Bond films, but I haven't seen much beyond that. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, of his career or Bond films? You've his, seen all the other Bond films. Yes, I've seen all the Bond films. Um, but yes, nothing in his career beyond Bond. To me, he is just Bond. And uh, that's probably why he was probably tainted after uh, in the 70s because he was probably typecast as just Bond. I don't know if that's a fact, but... I, I think was, you're... Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think he purposely tried to get away from Bond and mm-hmm. did some really sort of out there stuff, and uh, it wasn't for everybody, which is why he kind of kept coming back, right? right. He, he kept returning to the Bond role. Um, so out of those Bonds, you, or sorry, you said you had seen them all? I had, yes. Which one's your favorite? Ooh, um, I think I might have to go with Goldfinger. From the Sean Connery ones, uh, either that, Doctor No, or maybe Diamonds Are Forever. Those oh are my, my top, top three. <laughs> I Diamonds Are Forever for me is like the turning point when that oh, yeah. series just became so campy. Like it just, it's 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 almost a comedy, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so to be fair, I haven't seen a Sean Connery Bond in a long time. Sure. It's been a while since I've watched them. And these are something that I don't know, even know if I enjoyed them as much as a kid either. <laughs> but I watched them and I respected them and I just knew Bond was Bond. I don't know how well they've aged. I don't know if he comes off, you know, over sexist or, you know, you know, those stigmas that Bond has. I don't know how well that's aged. So it's been a while. Not not. Not too well. Um, okay. <laughs> um, about about Goldfinger, I, it's funny that you say that. I mean, no, or perhaps pun intended, Goldfinger is sort of the gold standard of Bond films, right? It's yes. like the one that everyone remembers and pays a tribute to. And it's funny that it, it must be for a reason, because as a kid, just like you, out of all the Connery Bond films, or I should just, we should say the older Bond films, it's not because of Connery, but just because they were older, Goldfinger was the only one that, I could really sit all the way through. Absolutely. The rest of them, Thunderball especially, gets so boring. It's so long. <laughs> yep. That's how I felt yeah. about a lot of them. And like, you only live twice, it just keeps going. It's, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> if only he lived once, and then it would have been like half the movie. <laughs> Actually, it would have been the first scene. <laughs> once is enough, you know? Like, once is enough, like, yeah. But you know what I liked about You Only Live Twice? The ending. Like, I always just wanted to hurry yes. up and get to the volcano layer, yes. which was like such classic Bond, right? And uh, Blofeld. Yes. That part's fun. And it's it's funny you mentioned the misogyny and the, the sort of womanizing. Um, I watched, in preparation for this, I watched From Russia With Love. I don't think he'd quite come into the, or the character hadn't quite grown into what he becomes when it gets big, like what he is in, in Thunderball and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. And it was, From Russian With Love was like, I think a, a lower stakes Bond movie. There's no like threat of nuclear war. There's no big, like big army battle at the end with henchmen and guns. It's a very personal, just sort of Bond and a mm-hmm. couple, like fighting off a couple of henchmen or even just one, like Robert Shaw's character. And anyway, my point is, I whoops, I didn't think there was a whole lot of misogyny. Bond wasn't, he hadn't quite become smarmy. Mm. You, know, you know what I mean? Kind of gross, you know? <laughs> like his, he, he didn't really seduce any women that clearly didn't really want to have sex with him, which comes <laughs> later on. Um, 
but he and he was just so damn charismatic and he was just so cool you know like he wasn't over the top yet he wasn't too cocky he just he was kind of quiet he didn't have too many of his quips he had some but i don't i don't know he was that that was a very relatable bond i thought in that movie and um just just cool just relaxed and you you really kind of you just can't help but like him i don't know that's me hmm. and so handsome so handsome he was very handsome and then uh then he got very hairy and old but you know that happens <laughs> And then the toupee came off, and we all saw <laughs> the real him. Sorry, I just wanted to circle back. I wanted to know your favorite uh, Sean Connery Bond film. Uh, oh. Well, it, it, it would be boring if I said Goldfinger, but I have to, because, again, yeah. that's that's the one I've seen the most, and as a kid, it was entertaining. Yeah. And it just seemed uh, accessible enough and fun enough throughout. It had everything. Like it, I feel like Dr. No, Goldfinger, um, probably You Only Live Twice, they had, like, the pinnacle like uh villains in it too like uh in, in goldfinger you have goldfinger and then you have like odd job in there so you know you have the, the classic henchman uh you have the laser scene where like goldfinger's like gonna like cut off his nuts it's like that <laughs> is great tension uh it had the the girls it had everything pussy galore <laughs> plus the character um, yes <laughs> yes uh, I feel like it very, just had everything. It did. And the car. The car. That Aston Martin has become like the Bond mobile, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's made an appearance in almost every Daniel Craig uh, movie, including the trailers for No Time to Die. Um, so, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it seemed to be the pinnacle mm-hmm. Bond movie. Like, that's just it. His style was so big, right? I thought it was really cool that they did From Russia with Love, the video game. I did play this. Have you? No, I never did, no. So, yes, this is uh, 22 years after he reprised his role in Never Say Never Again, and he actually did new voice work for the video game, and I loved it. Uh, I don't know, it was just so cool to see the young Sean Connery in a video game, because like, I feel like that's why Pierce Brosnan is like one of the Bonds, is because he had like GoldenEye, and like a lot of people associate him with the video games as well. Uh, and I just thought it was so refreshing to have Sean Connery, uh, you know, being Bond in one of the games. Well, I mean, technically, that's yet another credit of him playing Bond. So that yeah. was kind of kind of his final Bond performance was uh, the video game of From Russia with Love. Um, okay, so there is one movie that... So when Sean Connery passed, my sister, she, she told me, um, like I said, five other people told me too. And she sent me a picture, um, you know, the one where uh, it's, it's not him as Bond, but it's from uh, Zardoz. Have oh, you, yeah. Have you heard of this? So, I know Zar- and, I haven't seen it, but I know Zardoz, yeah. And you know how he looks in that, right? Like, just with, like, the yellow banana hammock, I mean, uh, the red banana hammock, like, suit. <laughs> yeah, and the long hair. And the long hair. Yeah, and the high boots, I think. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, I couldn't believe my eyes when she saw the picture i guess she'd never seen it until that day and she sent to me like do you know what this is i'm like well (laughs) i don't like i know the picture it's very like famous but no i have not seen the film but i watched the trailer today and it looks it looks whack it's i don't know it's it's a sci-fi and it looks really bizarre it's um i haven't seen it either um one might think it's some weird sci-fi porno that he did in the seventies, but it's not, it's, I think it's, um, I think it's like following in the vein of planet of the apes. Right. I think that was sort of a weird, uh, genre unto itself. Like get a big name star of your, and put them in this like weird, dark sci-fi movie and hmm. in a ridiculous outfit. <laughs> Well, it kind of it made me want to watch it. I do think we should do that for one of our movie nights. Oh. I think yeah, that'd be really fun. I think it's a cult classic, so. Yeah. There's only, I think, one other movie. Okay, I've seen Medicine Man on TV, but I don't really remember it, so I can't really say I've seen it. Uh, there was one other movie that I saw uh, with Sean Connery, and it was called Finding Forrester. Oh, yeah. Um, you're, the, you're the man now, dog. 
Yeah, and I really liked the film. Uh, the big part of... The only part I really remember is him uh, talking about his socks. Uh, the young boy is like, why are you wearing your socks inside out? And he's like, socks are invented poorly. They're uncomfortable with the seams on the inside, so I wear them inside out. And so I actually think about that every time I put on socks. I think about Finding Forrester. Every well, time. Isn't, isn't that lovely? That's a yeah. wonderful little story. So every day I think about Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, in the shower. No, no, no. Oh, no, geez. No, no, I don't. It's funny because I have two posters on my wall. I have two Sean Connery posters on my wall in my bedroom. And it's because they were gifts from like my family members. Uh, Is one, one of them was... him, him in that Zardoz outfit? <laughs> yes, that's it. No, uh, they're both Bond. Uh, one is just a little portrait of him that I got from my uncle. And then the other one is a poster, an official movie poster, uh, trying to promote a uh, double feature of Dr. No and uh, Goldfinger. Oh. And that was for my parents. Uh, and so, yeah, I just think it's weird because in the corner of my room, I have like a little Sean Connery shrine. Uh, and I also have like a little Sean Connery doll. And that sits right beside my James Bond collection. And I have a couple uh, James Bond books that I found at like a, a bookstore for like a buck. And they have like Sean Connery on like the cover. So it's just weird. I just have like a little collection in the corner of my room. Hmm. And now it can be a, a shrine, a, a, yep. a, memor- a memorial. <laughs> there we go. I'll kiss well, the posters every night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Between the socks and the, and the posters. <laughs> I think you're a bigger fan than you realize. I think so. Um, I think that might be a nice uh, time to end this quick little segment. Again, nothing groundbreaking here, but I think you and I both uh, were, were Bond fans growing up and, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the passing of such an iconic screen legend. And I think uh, he's, he's a lot of people's uh, one and only James Bond. And like I said, watching him in from Russia with love last night and how charismatic and cool and likable he was. I, I, it's easy to see why I think uh, the next time we're together in honor of Sean, we should have uh, either a vodka martini. I think so. Or maybe just some scotch, because let's face it, that's prob- probably what he liked to drink. <laughs> <laughs> and it's what we'll like to drink, too. To Sean. To Sean. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Hey, remember that you can follow us on Spotify, iTunes, and Anchor. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as The Viewer Scott. Bye. Bye.